Thank you for joining the Pinewood Church Podcast. We hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you fresh perspective on how God is moving in your life. For more information, visit us at pinewoodboulder.com. Enjoy the message. Our mission statement is to meet people where they are, point them to Jesus. And isn't it beautiful that, you know, that's what Jesus does for us? He meets us right where we are. And the reason we want to point everybody to Jesus is because just as Jesus meets, who he, meets us where we are, He doesn't leave us where we are. Your love's too good to leave us here. So no matter how you come to Jesus, guess what? The best is yet to come. It's just going to get better and better and better. We're working through a series. We're actually kicking it off right now. We're working through it as in like right now. We're kicking it off. <laughs> our value series, Pinewood Values. We're going to be working through our seven core values as a church. How many of you feel confident to say our seven values with me? Let's go. Jesus is our message. Connection is our culture. Generosity is our privilege. Excellence. Servant leadership is our... Oh, you guys are killing it. Love is our... Let's see if y'all know this one. Say it loud and proud if you do. Honor is our... We are committed to outdo one another in showing honor. You may be thinking to yourself, I'm never going to be able to memorize that. Way too many. Should have stuck with three. You know three is the key. Should have been three. Sorry. We have a lot of values. Values are really, really, really important to us as a church. We're a very mission-driven church and a very value-driven church. Mission is the true north of everything that we do. And that is meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Values is the why behind everything that we do. Values dictate everything. They dictate how we spend our resources, where we put our energy towards. It dictate, dictates how we make decisions. If you want to know what is the culture of Pinewood Church, those seven values. It's who we are. And if you want to know more about that, shout out GrowTrack. Go to GrowTrack after and you get to know a little bit more in detail about who we are and the core of our culture. And an honoring spirit, this is what we're talking about tonight. Honor is our commitment. We're going to be working through a value every single day. So I want to encourage you, if you're a guest with us today, I want to encourage you, stick out the next seven weeks with us. Learn a little bit about who we are. Then you can make a decision if you want to stick around with us or not. But at the end of the, stick around for the last one. The last one's our number one value. I'm not going to say what it is yet. So hopefully you stick around for all the weeks and want to come in here. <laughs> so you're like, that's not going to work. But tonight we're talking about honor is our commitment. I think honor initiates the mind and the heart. I also feel like honor is one of those things that's unfamiliar to a lot of us. I think, I think it's a a skill that we have to learn. Uh, maybe, maybe read about it, especially if you've never seen it exemplified in somebody else. It, it's something that you have to learn, and, and, and maybe from somebody else, or maybe you study it in the Scripture. So I think it's a, a skill to learn, but I also think it's an attitude of the heart that you have to work really hard and be disciplined to master. The purpose of honor is to build up and lay a truthful foundation on the lives of other people. Now, I want you to Understand something really, really quick. Honor is different than flattery. So honor is laying a truthful foundation and building somebody's life. 
Flattery is quite a bit different. Flattery involves puffing somebody up. And instead of building a strong foundation on their life and speaking truth over their life, you're actually putting a weight of ego and pride on their shoulders and weighing them down. You may be thinking, all right, help me see this a little bit clearer because I'm still not able to understand honor versus flattery. Let's say it this way. Honor is from the heart. It's truthful. It builds up, and it looks towards the future of others. That's true biblical honor. I'll say that again. It's from the heart, truthful. It builds people up, and it looks towards the future of others. Flattery is quite the opposite. It's self-promoting, full of lies. It puffs up, and it looks to your future. You see the difference? If you, if you honor somebody with genuine honor, you will actually leave that person with a greater sense of humility. If you flatter somebody, you will leave that person with a greater sense of pride and arrogance. Starting to settle in a little bit? Let's go Bible. All right, Mark 6. Let's go Bible. Mark 6. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, we can, you can go there. We're going to be looking at the first six verses, try to help you understand this a little bit deeper. The title of tonight's message is The Weight of, of Honor. Don't mind me, I'm just, I'm just spraying some words in my plant while you turn in your Bible. I am, it's legit, it's words, it's liquid words. We'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> the Weight of Honor, Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. It says this. He left there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished. Where did this man get these things, they said? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? And how are these miracles performed by his hands? Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And aren't his sisters here with us? So they were offended. You tracking with me? Seems like a shift happened, right? They were astonished. Then they're, all of a sudden they're offended. Jesus said to them, listen, listen to this and lean in close. This is going to be the, the hinge on everything we're talking about today. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his household. Verse 5, it says, He was not able to do a miracle there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and he healed them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Amazed at their unbelief. If there's one thing that Jesus is going to be amazed about, that, that's not, that, that, that wouldn't feel good, that he's amazed at our unbelief. But that's what the scripture says. And he was going around the villages teaching. Let's pray as we dive into this text. God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would move among the people today as the word, your word is preached. Uh, Father, it's your Holy Spirit that reveals truth. It's your Holy Spirit that convicts. And so, Father, we, uh, we lean in hard into your Holy Spirit tonight. God, I ask that your Spirit would fill me, that your Spirit would be the teacher tonight, and that I would be a clean and clear, close vessel used for you, Father. We love you so much. We're expecting tonight. 
We're expecting tonight that as we engage the word, just as the scripture says, that as the word goes forth, it will accomplish the purpose for which it was sent and that it will have success. Father, we claim that promise over tonight as we engage your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to give you a little bit of background here as we look at this text, as we like to do. We like to give a little context with a text. So a little bit of background is Jesus had already initiated his ministry. He had already gone around teaching. People were amazed by his teachings. He's already healed some people, some pretty profound healing. One uh, in particular, a woman touched his garment and was healed of a lifetime disease. He's like, and I love the way the scripture says that. He felt something come out of him. He was like, oh, somebody touched my garment. Boom, somebody's healed of this horrible disease. The word is spreading. He's also uh, brought a little girl to life. He's cast out demons. So at this point in Jesus' ministry, he had his disciples, a.k.a. his squad. He had his crew. He was rolling deep. And people knew about his miracles. Now, you may be confused whenever it says that he went to his hometown in Nazareth because, wait, I thought he was born in Bethlehem. He was. But he grew up in Nazareth. He was a Nazarene. Now, tell you a little bit about Nazareth. Nazareth didn't have the greatest reputation. Actually, kind of had a little bit of a negative reputation. Uh, Nathaniel in John chapter one verse twenty-six actually says this whenever he, uh, when uh, Philip comes to him and is telling him about Jesus. Yeah, he's he's actually you know Jesus of Nazareth. He's he's the son of Joseph, the one Moses talked about. Nathaniel says, "Can any good thing come out of Nazareth?" Nathaniel was a hater. Yeah, I mean, obviously. Very prejudiced dude. But maybe there was a reputation around Nazareth, this town. It wasn't prestigious. It wasn't even very religious. Not a lot of people really knew about it. It was actually a really small, nothing town. That apparently, not a lot of really great stuff came out of Nazareth. Only the greatest thing in all history. But other than that, any of you have a town like that? Is that any of y'all's hometown? You know, as I was describing it, you're like, that's my hometown. That's nothing really great. One stoplight. If you grew up in Boulder, I'm here to tell you that is not your hometown, all right? That is a very great town. But that's a little bit, a bit of background. So fast forward, Jesus is bringing his crew to his hometown of Nazareth. And there are three things that I want to unpack from this text, three common things that we see in most cultures that we're a part of. The things, the, these three things that we're going to talk about are things that are pretty typical of most environments we find ourselves in. Could be a home, could be your work, or it could be church. So let's unpack these three things together. The first is this, is that we see that Jesus was celebrated at first. He was celebrated at first, and he said, And many who heard him were astonished. So in many cultures, at first, you're celebrated. Let's say, like, when you show up to church, you know, we're still, it's a guest. Hey, everybody, it's a guest. I mean, that doesn't happen here. That's kind of weird. We're not going to make you stand up and freak out or anything, but, but we're glad you're here. Or maybe it's that you got a job at work, you show up for work, and everybody's freaking out. You must be new here. I haven't seen you before. There's balloons on your desk. Uh, thank you. I like a thank you for joining our team letter. Maybe they take you out for a special lunch. You're like, man, what job have you, what jobs have you gotten in your life? <laughs> maybe that didn't happen for you, but 
Maybe you've experienced this before where, you're some, where you enter a new space and you're celebrated at first, but then over time something begins to shift in the atmosphere. You're like, wait a second, all of a sudden I'm not as celebrated as once like I was. Wait a second, no one really has really noticed me in like a really long time. And I think that's what happened here. Everybody's saying, oh, this is Jesus. Like, this is awesome. They're astonished. Man, he's, he's such a good teacher. He's performing all these miracles. There's so much wisdom. But I, if you read the text again, you can almost catch a hint of jabbing. Let's look at that again. He came this Sabbath, a teaching, and he, when he came, when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished. Where did this man, where did this man, did you catch that? Where did this man, not Son of God, not, not, not the Messiah, not the Savior, not the one that Moses talked about, but where did this man get these things? I'm sure in their mind they're thinking, surely not Nazareth. And he said, what is this wisdom that's been given him? How are these miracles performed by his hands. You can almost tell in this celebration, they're even kind of slightly degrading him a little bit. It's kind of like, where did this come from? Who do, who do you think you are? Which takes me to the next thing that happens in, commonly in cultures, and that is, at first you're celebrated, but then after a minute, you're dishonored. And you may be trying to think, what, what, what do you mean by dishonored? So honor is a high esteem, a high respect, and admonishment for somebody else. So dishonor would be the opposite of all of those things. After he's there for just a minute and in his hometown, he began to feel a little bit of dishonor, disrespect, and really, they started to degrade him a little bit. The, the, the wording here is actually incredibly profound. It says that they were offended by him. Offended by him. Like, oh, 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 God. What are you, what are you doing? Why are you here? Offended by him. That word offended is an intense word. It's, it's scandalon. It actually means that, that it's like a, a, they stumbled over him. Isn't that crazy? I talk about dishonor. You know, Jesus is, an, um, is amazing. You're like, wow, thank you for that. Jesus is amazing. Je you may be here today and you're like, nobody understands me, what I've gone through. And Jesus is like, I understand. Oh, yeah, well, you've never been disrespected like I have. He went to his hometown and they sit and they're offended by him and they. And they refer to him as being someone that they have to stumble over. And he was in front of his crew, man. Couldn't you have pulled him aside? And he was in front of his crew. little extra dishonor. Isn't it crazy how we can dishonor the people that we know the best? Isn't it weighty to think about that you dis discourage and you disrespect the people that you really care about the most? So here Jesus comes to his hometown. His family's there. They're even, you may not notice this in the text or not, but they refer to him as a common car carpenter. And then they say, son of Mary. And that in Jewish culture, that would have normally referenced, it would have been respectful to reference as son of Joseph. Now, some scholars say that maybe Joseph at this point had passed, but 
It was even one other little slight jab that they're trying to get at him. Those that knew him best, those that love, should have loved him the most, those that should have understood honor the most were the ones that dishonored him the greatest. This is one of the reasons why I believe that that's true in many of our lives. It's because those that are closest to you, their words carry the most weight. I said that the title of the message was um, the weight of words, weight of honor. So that is, I'm just going to, sorry, I'm just taking care of my plant. Spray, I'm spraying some words on there. So the Hebrew word, yeah, the Hebrew word, and you're like, what, what are you talking about? Greek, scandalon, Hebrew. All right, so the Bible is three languages. It's divided up in three languages to help you understand. Old Testament, Hebrew, and there's some Aramaic in there, and then there's some Greek all in the new. And so when I say a Hebrew word or Greek word, the, the actual translations are those languages. So let me go back. The Hebrew word in the Old Testament is, I'm going to say this, kabod, try to say it right, which literally means to give weight to someone. So to honor is to kabod somebody. Kabod, kabod, hey kabod. But kabod, so it's to lay weight on somebody. So when we talk about the weight of honor, so think about the people that know you the best, people that love you the most, or maybe some of your closest to. If they honor you, do you not feel the weight of that honor? Like, wow, I can't, I can't believe they said that about me. But then if somebody that you just met walks up to you that you don't know, complete and total stranger, and they're like, yeah, well, your hair looks funny. It's kind of like, it kind of tingles for a second, like, maybe, does it? For real? Hey, does my hair look funny? It may tingle for a second, but if somebody that has a weight on you leans in and they says, hey, I expected better of you than this, or, or a jab in some way, oh, you can almost feel the wind suck out of you, like, whoa. And I just let some, oh, I just let him down. I just let my, my, my wife down. I just let my spouse down. I just let my kids down. Dang. You feel the weight of that. Because our words have weight. And if you honor somebody in a, in, a, in a biblical way, in a right way, it's the right kind of weight. It's a good kind of weight. But if you puff them up, it's a, it's flatter, with flattery, it's a negative kind of weight. I love that. It's a weight. And that's actually, I'm not going to go into the details of that Hebrew word, but it actually, the weight is a symbol of Money, which is a symbol of value. So the weight that you're putting on somebody, you're either putting weight slash value on somebody or you're removing weight and value from somebody. Your words do this. I hope you understand that the words that you speak are very, very, uh, very rarely are they neutral words. The words that you speak are more often than not either giving life to something or giving, bringing death to something. Think about your words. I think a lot of us uh, maybe just naturally will say, kind of in jest, well, I'm just a negative person. I'm a realist. Well, I'm just sarcastic. I didn't mean to put you down seven times in a row, but I'm just sarcastic. It's how I was raised. I just, I, our words carry weight. 
And no matter how, how you try to laugh it off, fluff it off, or say, I didn't really mean that. You know that, right? Well, the person that's hearing that, it goes to the core of who they are. And they carry that. And you either just added value or you just remove value from somebody. One thing in particular that I see in this text with Jesus coming to his hometown is that I believe these people carried a spirit of familiarity. A spirit of familiarity. Uh, there's an old maxim, the oldest, it traces back to 2 BC, and it says, Familiarity breeds contempt. Familiarity breeds contempt. Now, I, I don't, I'm not going to say that's 100% accurate. Because, I mean, I would say that's not true of, of my wife. I feel like, you know, she's about, I'm about as most familiar with her as I am with anybody else. And I feel like I love her more now than I ever have. I think she's more beautiful now than she's ever been. Oh, nothing, nothing. No love. Oh, she's, oh, she's the best. So I wouldn't say that that's entirely an accurate statement, entire uh, adage or maxim, whatever you want to call it. But I would say that familiarity breeds contempt with contemptible people. Let me outline what, what do I mean by contempt. It's, it's contempt is the feeling that a person or a thing is beneath consideration, worthless, or deserving scorn. I think that's one of the things that were happening here. When you get close to something, the more, no, the more you know someone or something, the more common it becomes. And I think the more common it becomes, the more content you feel towards it. The thing that you so loved about your wife when you first started dating, you're like, oh, this thing is your worth, your value. You're gorgeous. You got ready. Oh, you look so good tonight. After years of marriage, you're like, yeah, you ready to go on a date? All right, yeah. And she just spent just as much time getting ready then as she did then. But if you're not careful... The contempt can creep in and you no longer see things as a fresh perspective and with a fresh heart. Therefore, you no longer honor it like you would. Oh, babe, thank you so much for spending so much time getting ready and going on this date. with. Thank you, thank you for time for getting a babysitter for me. Thank you for just being my wife. I don't even deserve you at all. Like, this is just nice that I get to call you my wife. I just want to honor my wife. I want to honor her, honor her, honor her, honor her. But if you're not careful, those that you're closest to, the things that you're closest to can become common. Think about the Flatiron Mountains. If you're not careful, you know, every time you drive over the hill, you kind of shake your head like, oh, it's just as good as the first time, but it's not. Because when I, I just want to tell you this, so, when, when I drive over the mountain, when I drive, 36, everybody knows where this, this is, and you drive down, and it's like, oh, Boulder, oh, the flat irons, I love this place, thank you, Jesus. We all do it. But no matter how much we do it, when I bring home somebody new or a guest, it's like 10 times what I normally do. Why? It's a fresh perspective on the flat irons. It's a fresh heart. It's a fresh spirit, fresh eyes. And they see it like I could never see it again. Oh, oh, man, this place is unbelievable. Look at the mountains. Look at that. And they're pointing out things I've never seen before. Like, wow, I didn't know that was there. Oh, I don't know what that is. Don't let something that's familiar become common. There's a, a tourist 
who was eager to go to this art show. And so he goes into this art show, and very, very rapidly and very quickly, he goes and he's looking at the pictures. He's looking at the pictures, goes to the pictures. And he says to the guard on his way out, he says, I didn't see anything special here. And on his way out, the guard says, Sir, it's not the picture that are on trial here, it's the visitor. I feel like, I feel like unfortunately, that can be us sometimes. If something becomes common, I think that's what happened in Jesus. I think they had a heart of familiarity, and when he showed up, Instead of, a, instead of a heart of honor, where they were going to honor him from the heart, speak to his future, they dishonored him quickly because he was common. This is common carpenter. Who's Jesus? Son of Mary. What's so special about him? I just want you to think about that in our, in our, in our hearts and in our lives. Have things around us and people around us become common? Or... Is it time that we see him with a fresh perspective, a godly perspective, an honor perspective? I don't believe in common culture. If you're here with us today and it's your first time here, I don't believe in common culture. I don't believe in a common experience. I don't believe in a common person. I believe in an expectant culture, a loving culture. And a respectful culture, an encouraging culture, a building up culture, a speaking life culture. Imagine, for a second, an atmosphere, an environment where that was said of who we are. Where what was maybe common becomes extraordinary. Where something that other people would say is just natural you step into this space and it becomes supernatural. A culture where people expect the expected and we expect the unexpected because we serve a God of impossibilities. A culture where you can show up and instead of feeling rejected, you feel accepted because there's a culture of honor. No matter how you came in here, you're loved. I'm going to speak life over you. I'm going to find something to speak life over you. You say, well, I'm not much on honor. And I would have to say, then you may not be much on being honorable. We don't just give honor because we want to, but because we want to be honorable. Live a life of righteousness and holiness. I think there's a better way. A biblical honor looks for the purpose in someone's past. I'm going to say these slow. A biblical honor looks for the purpose in someone's past looks toward the potential in their future, and looks at the promises over their circumstances. That's biblical honor. That's the honor. I'm going to say it one more time. Just in case you're taking notes out there. Looks for the purpose in someone's past. Everybody else is going to look for the problems in your past. Well, of course you can't do this thing. Look at your upbringing. Of course you could never be this guy. Look at the gene, the gene you come from which is what they were doing with Jesus. But biblical honor looks to the purpose in their past and say, hey, that was all for a reason. God's doing something. He's going to use that in your life to reach people. And all of a sudden, that thing that you once felt 
sad about, all of a sudden you're standing on and you're saying, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe I don't have to be ashamed of this thing. Why? You're building somebody up in truth. Second, looks towards the potential in their future. I want this for our church. I want this for my kids. I never want to speak to where they are. I want to speak to where I see them in five years, ten years. Man, you're world changers. I already tell Ryan, Corey, I tell them, I say, y'all are going to be the best preachers that have ever lived. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you do. Wherever you go, you're going to be the best preachers that have ever lived. You're going to be the most passionate worshipers that I've ever seen. I pray this prayer over their lives. I said, God, thank you already for calling my kids to yourself. They're going to love you with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. They're going to love their neighbor as themselves. I want to honor my kids by speaking to their potential in the future. And then the last is they look at the promises over their circumstance. No matter what they're going through, biblical honor says you're not where you have to be. God's got a plan for your life. I'm going to speak and claim promises over your life. A spirit of honor makes the mundane miraculous. It makes the ordinary extraordinary and the common supernatural. That's the atmosphere that I want to commit to in this church. A spirit culture of honor. The last thing that we see is that he was rejected in the end. It says, and they were amazed at, and Jesus was amazed at their unbelief. Amazed at their unbelief. Therefore, he, he couldn't do, perform many miracles there. It's not that his power was reduced, but the purpose was. Even if he performed the miracle, it wouldn't, do, it wouldn't fulfill the purpose for which he was performing that miracle. I don't ever want that to be said of our church. I believe that a dishonoring culture produces unbelief. Why? Because a dishonoring culture equals pride and arrogance. An honoring culture equals humility and submission. I want us to be committed to outdo one another in showing honor. At Pinewood Church, I want my desire... And my prayer for us is that our honor would not be passive, but that our honor would be aggressive. People wouldn't have to look to seek out honor. The Bible actually says that no one should seek out honor. No one should have to do that here anyways because I want our honor to be aggressive, not passive. At Pinewood Church, I want it, uh, our honor is not accidental. It's intentional. It's not broad. It's specific. It's not corporate. It's personal. Is that the kind of honor that you want for our church? I believe so. Is that the kind of honor that you want for your home? I think so. This is kind of how I feel like in, in, in my home. If I can create and establish and commit to honor in my home, then I'm going to forever cement a place where my kids are going to want to come back. They're gonna, they're, it's going to be like a magnet. No matter where they go, they're going to be like, I can't wait to get home. Christmas. I can't wait to get home and be around my, my parents. You've never been around more honoring people in your life. The second you step into the house, you feel like you did something right. They're speaking into your potential. They're letting you know where you not have to be. They're speaking God's promises over your life. They're, they're esteeming you. They're putting you as a high respect. They honor up, down, and all around. Doesn't matter who walks in. If I want for, that home, my, for my home and for the future, shouldn't we want that for the church? Walking points are this, and then, and, and, and then we're closed. Is, is, and if you ha- are taking notes, write these down. Honor and humility. 
honor and humility. Scripture says, before his downfall, a person's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. Man, it's so easy to honor somebody that's humble. You got to work real hard for somebody that has pride and an arrogant spirit. But somebody that's humble, it's a piece of cake. And that's what the scriptures speak to. A person's pride will humble him, but a humble spirit will gain honor. Proverbs 29, 23. Second thing, honor and humility, honor with words. We are vocal in our honor. People don't know how you feel about them until you use words. It's like my wife, like she wouldn't know that I love her until I said, I love you. My kids wouldn't know I'm proud of you unless I said with my words, I'm proud of you. People don't know how you feel. They don't know what's going on in here. We don't have any mind readers in the house. Not that I know you got to use your words. you got to get vocal. And so at Pinewood Church, we're going to be vocal with our honor. Honor with words. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life. Just going to spray this a little bit here. Spray some of my words. So honor with words. Be vocal with your honor. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Why? Because somebody that has an honoring, humble spirit rejoices when someone else gets honored. They're not like, well, he didn't honor me. See if I honor anybody next time. That's not a heart of humility. But a true, someone that is humble, will see somebody get honored and they'll get filled up by it. And then they'll want to get in the game. Hey, I want to honor you too. And then they get even more filled up by it. Honor with our words. Honor with humility. Honor with words. And then honor with honesty. I love, love, love this text in John 7, 18. It says, those who speak for themselves want to glorify only themselves, but a person who seeks to honor the one who seeks to honor, but a person who seeks to honor the one who sent him speaks truth, not lies. So if we want to give glory to God, we'll speak truth, not lies. Our honor should be honest. And then last is Romans 12, 9 through 10. It says, let love be without hypocrisy, detest evil, cling to what is good, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. And then I want to end on this, outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. That's the challenge for today. Outdo one another in showing honor. If you're here and you're competitive, say, I'm going to beat everybody in this room. I'm going to honor every single person. I'm going to honor everybody that I see. Any space that I step into, I'm going to be the person that gives honor because we're committed to honor. Honor is our commitment. And Scripture says to outdo one in showing one another honor. I want to show you something pretty profound, what I've been working on up here. This is my plant. It's a marigold. It's a really kind of an indestructible plant. It's kind of funny because I was talking to my mom before uh, when I was going to do this illustration, and she didn't know why I was doing this illustration. And I came home with this plant, and she was like, she's like, oh, I love marigolds. She starts going on about how, like, marigolds are the indestructible plant. It's the one plant that I can plant, never think about or worry about it again, and it grows, and it's beautiful. And I'm like, well, that kind of kills my illustration, because I kind of needed the plant to die really fast. (laughs) But it's interesting. So I, so I, I I have words here, but these words aren't, this actually isn't water. It's actually poison. It's acid, and a really, really high concentrate of it at that. And so I've been spraying this plant, and you probably can't tell, but I can already tell that the flowers are starting to change color and wither from the outside, and it's a little bit droopier than it was when I first got up here. This is something that's pretty found. It's not that noticeable yet, but when you lean in close slightly, well, it's because I've only been spraying it for the last hour. But this is what's interesting about our words and honor and dishonor is that 
When you dishonor somebody at first, the effects aren't immediate. Right? You dishonor somebody, they walk away, it looks like nothing happened. But then slowly those words stick. And then you get dishonored again. And, it, and maybe they could have made it through that one, but maybe they get dishonored again and it kind of coats them a little more with these, these poisonous, degrading, destructive words and disrespect. And then over time, what happens is it actually kills. And that's what I was saying. Your words are life or death. And I, I want us to feel the weight of that. In five hours, the plant is going to look like this. Looks like a pretty poor marigold, right? If, you, if you're constantly dishonoring somebody, you may not see it right away, but then they go home, they lay down at night, they're thinking about your words. It's starting to really creep into their mind and their heart, and they're like, man, that hurt really bad. That was really deep. I felt a lot of disrespect in that environment. Uh, this is what it looks like the next day. This is dead. It's dead. This marigold is not reproducing Jack. It is gone for good. I feel like that's a lot of times with our words. and We don't think that it has effect right away, but then we don't see the results of those words. Maybe till later, until it's already too late. So watch your words. Honor humility, honor with words, and honor honestly. Uh, if you would, go ahead and stand. We're going to uh, give a song of response. If you're here today, uh, this, is this, this is the response song challenge. If you're here today and maybe there was somebody that you recently dishonored, I want you to go honor them right now, wherever they are. If, if you feel like you've dishonored somebody, I want you to say, hey, I'm going to make it right right now. Instead of pouring poison on them, I'm going to pour a little bit of fertilizer on them today. I'm going to uplift them. I'm going to build them up. I'm going to speak honestly and truth over their life. And if you're here today and you're thinking, I want you to spend during this song of response some time thinking about people in your life that maybe you've dishonored and people that maybe have dishonored you. And for people that have dishonored you, I want to forgive them. For the, I want you to forgive them. And those that maybe you've dishonored, I want you to think about, man, make a plan in your heart and in your mind about how you're going to go make it right. And let's be a people that are committed to honor. I don't know where you are right now, but wherever you are, I do know that God loves you so much. Uh, John 3.16 says, For God loved the world so much that he sent his one and only Son into the world, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but that they would have everlasting life. The story of the gospel message is that we are all sinners, that every single one of us has sinned against a holy God. We've disobeyed his commands, and if we're being honest, we've turned our back on him. But Jesus, while we were yet sinners, died to pay the penalty on our behalf. Scripture says, for the wages of sin is death. We know that our sin equals death. But Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, the sacrifice that should have been ours, equals life. That through his death, through his burial and resurrection, we can have life. Not only life, but life to the fullest. And Jesus is offering this free gift of salvation. We know it as grace. Scripture says, for by grace you are saved through faith. This is not of your doing. This is a gift of God. And so God is offering you this gift, this gift of grace. And Scripture says all that we have to do is not earn it, not achieve it, not be a better person, but to put our faith 
and our trust in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And we see scripture says, if you would repent of your sins, confess Jesus as Lord of your life, you will be saved. And so this is an invitation to you. If you're listening to this and you're listening to our podcast and you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, I just want to invite you right now. Talk to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are. I confess my sin before you and I receive your gift of free grace. By your grace, I'm saved and by your power, I'm set free. If you prayed that prayer, then today you're saved. You're a child of God and I welcome you to the family. We would love to know who you are. We would love to know your name, hear more about your story and walk with you on your spiritual journey. So DM us, let us know who you are. DM us at pinewoodboulder.com on Instagram or Facebook or go to our website, pinewoodboulder.com and send us your contact information. We'd love to reach out to you. And better yet, come meet us face to face. We meet every Sunday at 4.30 at 1925 Glenwood Drive in Boulder, Colorado. We would love to meet you. We'd love to connect you with our community. So we hope to see or hear from you soon. God bless you. Our community at Pinewood Church aims to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus in Boulder and around the world. Thank you for your support. If you would like to further connect with us, you can find out more at pinewoodboulder.com or on any social media platform with the handle at Pinewood Boulder.